Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Hi, Dad. For sure. So, uh, if you, yeah, if you look at the assets... Uh-huh. Okay. What are we up? We're up uh, Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, sure, let's, let's do that then. Uh, sorry about that. Where... Think about it. No. There must be She wanted a relationship with her father, didn't she? And I like what she did. She was willing to pay a price. She was willing to implement a plan. She was able to carry out that plan. And ultimately, she got what she wanted. And uh, for those of you that were here last week, as we've been discussing this subject of intimacy, we've been talking about into me see about relationships. If you ever remember, maybe, maybe you've had an experience like this in your life where somebody wanted a relationship with you, and maybe they were friends of yours, or there's a group of friends, and, and then uh, all of a sudden it became evident that they wanted a little bit more of that friendship than what you were willing to give. And if you've ever been in that position, it's like, man, you don't want to be mean, you don't want to be rude, but you also don't really share that same thought and prospect of, of that, you know, you're, you, you went from being a friend to happily ever after kind of a thing, and, and that's maybe not what you were thinking, and so it's difficult to, 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 it feels awkward to kind of keep that person at arm's length because you don't want to hurt their feelings, and if you've ever been in those shoes or if you've been the other person where maybe, maybe that overture wasn't reciprocated and you feel a little bit bad about that, I think that, that if you understand that feeling, then you can begin to understand I think at times the heart of the Father. That, that God wants a relationship with us. He desires that relationship with us, but sometimes we keep him at arm's length. We're not rude. We're not mean. We're not ugly, but we just kind of want to keep our distance for some reason. We're a little bit afraid to open up our heart and to really let him in, to really let him have a piece of or a part of or a prominent place in our life. It could be because of our past. It could be because of uh, maybe what we're afraid God will find out, even though God already knows everything. 
But there are a lot of reasons why, and for some people like this person last week, they didn't have any idea. Uh, Steph, our daughter, talked to somebody last week. Said, she said this. She said, I never knew that I could have a relationship with God. Think about that. This person, you know, in her 30s, had no idea, no idea that they could actually have a relationship with God. How do you live your life and not know that? That's what I would think. But I think that sometimes we hear that so much, we really don't know what that means. And, and that's why we're, what we are saying is against the backdrop of prayer. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, Jesus said he's teaching about prayer and he's leading up to what we know as the Lord's Prayer. We'll talk about that next week. But, but in that discussion of prayer, he says, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door. And I know people say, you know, well, you can pray anywhere. You can pray anytime. Yes, you absolutely can. But how many of you want instruction from Jesus how to pray effectively? Because if you do, then this is something you need to consider. And not just consider, but to make a priority in your life. We'll find out why more this morning. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Here's this idea that God wants us to set aside a time and he wants, to set, wants us to set aside a place. And he wants us to make him the focus. He wants us to make him the focus of our heart, the focus of our life, and the focus of our prayer. Next week we'll talk about the Lord's Prayer and the, and, and the way that he taught us to pray and the things that we could, should consider when we pray. But in this backdrop of prayer, and, and the reason I say that is many of you have gotten this and it's available if you have not, um, but in, in a couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be doing a, a week of prayer. It will start on Sunday, March uh, 20, what is it, March 21st, I think, or 20th, March 20th. Uh, that Sunday service will begin. We're calling it, we're doing a series called 72 Hours, What Happened from the Cross to the Throne. And, and, and in, in regards to that, we're having seven days of prayer, and each day there will be two points of em emphasis. We'll be meeting at 6.30 in the morning right here. Uh, uh, we'll do a, a short five-minute teaching. We will pray for 20 minutes and then five minutes of worship, and then you can go to you know, wherever you need to go, if it's back to bed, if it's out for breakfast or if it's to work, whatever it is, you can do that. We invite you to do that and we'll have specific points of prayer each week. But against the backdrop of prayer and this intimacy that God wants us to have with him, he wants us to come into his presence and he wants to express and has expressed his heart to us. But beyond that, he asks us to express and expose and open up our hearts to him. And I want to share a prayer with you that David prayed. It's not one of the more popular prayers in the Bible, but it is a, it is a, a very important prayer. It's a very powerful prayer. And, and we've read the last two weeks from Psalm 139. And in that Psalm, he's talking about the greatness of God. And he's talking about the majesty of God and how awesome God is. But then we get down to verse 23 and he says this, this is why this prayer is not real, real popular. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. A lot of people wonder, well, you know, what am I going to pray about? I'm going to get to prayer, and, I, and what will I pray about? What's my focus? I, I really don't have any needs. Can I tell you something this morning? If you pray this prayer, particularly point out anything in me that offends you, chances are we could be in that prayer closet for a while. If you can't say amen, say oh me. <laughs> So I want you to repeat this prayer after me this morning. Would you please do this? Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that would offend you. Lead me, in the, lead me along the path 
of everlasting life. There's four things that David begins to pray or he prays to the Father. And this very first one, search me, O God, and know my heart. You might think, well, God already knows my heart. He knows everything about me. He, he is intimately aware of every thought. He's counted the hair on my head. I mean, I am more important to him than, than the field, the flower, the birds. I, 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 he knows everything about me. And, and, and you're, you're correct in thinking that. You're correct in, in understanding that. But you need to look at this maybe from a little bit different perspective. Because when he says, search me, O God, and know my heart, how many of you know, if, I, I, I attended, how many of you went to driver's ed? About half of you, that explains quite a bit this morning. <clears throat> Particularly when the snow has covered the lines in the parking lot. But anyway, uh, if you, if, I, I, uh, I took driver's ed way back in the day that, that uh, you know, that you, it was in high school. You took driver's ed, and they had cars there, and you got in the car, and you drove it around. I went to Tech High School, and we drove it around the parking lot there by what used to be a municipal swimming pool, and that's how I learned to drive, and it was a lot of fun. But if you were ever in driver's ed, one of the number one things they taught you about, they always said that, that when you're making a lane change that you should look over your shoulder because everybody has a what? A blind spot. Can I tell you this morning that that's not just true in driver's ed. It's not just true in driving your car. Every single one of us have a blind spot. Every single one of us have things that we don't accurately see about ourselves. And so when David is praying here, Lord, search my heart. Check it out. Lord, examine my heart. I, I, I want you to, to, to look on the inside of me and, and, and see and help me to see. You know, there are things that we, we don't see things as they are many times. We, we see things as we are. And because we have a tendency to see things as we are, we can see things inaccurately. In the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer of Hebrews wrote something in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. He talked about the, the word of God is quick and it is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder, dividing to the piercing and uh, uh, piercing into the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah writing, and, and it's an Old Testament paradigm, not a New Testament paradigm, but there's something important. He said, he said that the heart is deceitful above all other things. And then in verse 10, this is Jeremiah 17, verse 10, he said, try the reins of my heart. And so when we, we consider those things, that our life flows from our heart. Our life flows from the inside to the outside. And so when David is saying this, <clears throat> When he's saying, search me, O God, and know my heart, he's, he's saying, help me understand these blind spots that are a part of my life. Help me. See. We are masters. How many of you know this? We are masters at self-deception, aren't we? You know, James talked about that. James said, when you hear the word and don't do it, you've deceived yourself. And that's one of the ways that we end up with cardboard Christianity. It is one of the ways that we end up with a hole in our heart and we're searching all these natural things to try to fill that hole in our life. But it's a, it's a natural hole or a spiritual hole that will never be filled with natural things. And so when he said this, and, and, and for me, I think even more than that, David's heart was, as much as it was know my heart, I think what David was really expressing when he said, search my heart, I don't think it was like, okay, God, I'm asking you to get out, my mag get out your magnifying glass and look at every corner of my heart. I think what he's doing is he's going, God, I'm not hiding anything from you. I'm opening up every single part of my life. I want you to search it, God. I want you to look on the inside. See, a lot of us are afraid to do that because of what he might find, because we're guilty, because we feel ashamed. I love that song. God's love, we don't have to be afraid in God's love. We don't have to feel shame in God's love. 
He's not just giving us his heart in little bits and pieces. Man, he has come running to us with his heart and with his love. And so David could have said to him with confidence and with boldness, with assurance, Father, I open up my heart to you and I ask you to search it. I ask you to look at it. Because, Lord, I don't see everything. And there are things that I think, and because there are things that I think, I might be thinking wrong. But here's the thing. When you begin to do this, and it will bring you closer to God. It really, really will. Because you have to trust that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says that he will do. And that is that he will love you and has already expressed that love unconditionally. So again, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. I'm opening my heart to you. The second thing he prays is test me and know my anxious thoughts. Test me. Now, this is not testing like some people would preach and teach that God is going to test you with sickness and disease and poverty. and all. That's not who God is. The Bible says that God will not tempt us with evil things. God is not making you sick to try to teach you something. He sent you the Holy Spirit, and he gave you the Bible to teach you things. I'm going to say that one more time. (laughs) God is not trying to make you sick, poor, broke, destroy your life in order to teach you something. He sent you the Holy Spirit, and he gave you the Word of God. Now, people can learn lessons. They can learn things in those conditions. Many times, the reason they learn something is because they're so desperate, they've actually now opened up their heart to God. It's like, I give up, God. I, I, you know, I, I've made a mess of my life. Can you do something with it? And God says, yeah, I can. <laughs> I can. So he says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Really what he is saying is reveal my fears. Help me to see the things and the places and the areas of my life where fear holds me back, where insecurity keeps me bound. And he's not talking about fear of you know, snakes or spiders or probably, I mean, this might be one of the fears, things like clowns. Those of you that, that I, you know, I'm not a big fan of clowns. Clowns are just creepy. They're weird. My mom filled my room with them when I was a kid. But anyway, I, I just didn't like clowns. I still don't like them a whole lot. Just never can trust somebody that's got a painted smile. Anyway, even Christians. So he, again, he says, test me and know my anxious thoughts reveals, reveal my fears. And so when we get to that place of intimacy with God, we're saying, God, search my heart. One of the things we're saying is, God, what is it that I'm afraid of? Help me to see where I'm building barriers because of fear in my life. I'm, I'm trying to surround and guard and protect my life. But when I do that, I'm not really trusting you. Maybe you're afraid in relationships, or maybe you're afraid that, that you know, your marriage isn't going to be successful, or maybe you're afraid you're never going to get married, or maybe you're afraid of, of, of you know, losing your job or, or, or not being successful. Maybe those are the barriers and things in your life that you are afraid of, and because you're afraid of those things, it hinders your walk with God. It hinders your, and, and here's why this is important to know this, because what we fear the most in our life, what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. If I'm afraid that that I can't pay my bills, if I'm afraid that I'm not going to have enough, then I haven't learned that God is Jehovah Jireh, the one who will provide. I haven't learned that he is the one who goes before me and blesses me. I haven't learned that he cares about me. If I'm concerned relationally, I haven't learned that that love of God, the Bible says that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And so when fear tries to come into our life, that's not from God. And the Bible says that we are to express our faith in God in such a way, faith in his word, what he said that he would do in such a way that that fear is replaced with confidence in God. And that's what God's looking for. That's what God desires for us to have in our life. And so when we open up our heart to God and say, search my heart, we're saying, God, I I, I want to know. 
What are the fears that drive my life? Lord, help me get to the root. Many times we're, face, we're, we're chasing the fruit of fear instead of laying an ax to the, or the sword of the spirit to the root of the problem. Some of you are afraid because you've been abandoned in life. Others, you are afraid because other people have said, you'll never amount to anything, and you're so afraid. Others have such a lack of confidence in their life that, that they're convinced that there's no way in the world that life could ever be better than it is right now. In fact, it'll probably just get worse. The Bible says that, that we should delight in the Lord, that when we honor him and trust him, that he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his sake. He, he says, I, I've got a good plan for your life. And so... When we open our heart to him in this way and we spend some time in God's presence, Lord, search my heart. Help me to see the blind spots in my life. And Lord, I want you to, I want you to have your way in my life and, and, and reveal to me the anxious areas, the fearful areas of my life. And then the third part of this prayer, <clears throat> he says, point out anything in me that offends you. Show me anything that is inconsistent with your word that's in my life. Now, I'll tell you this right now, that this prayer is easier to pray for other people than it is for yourself. This, the, the results of this prayer are far easier to see in other people than they are in the mirror. And this is the way, reason that we need God's help in this. This brings us closer to him. This helps us to, 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 to really trust in him. When we begin to say, God, if there's something in my life that offends you, if there's something in my life that bothers you, if there's something in my life that I'm not right in, Lord, I want you to show it to me. Woo-wee. Hallelujah. Pastor Brian, I like you preach uh, other stuff. Because <laughs> this isn't all that much fun this morning. You know, again, we've been working through a process throughout this year. We started with a series called Satisfied, how important it is to put the word of God into our life because God's word is like food and we need the right spiritual diet. And then we talked about, uh, you know, to be or not to be, about offenses, how conditions, heart conditions can stop that word of God from working in our life. And now we're really taking it even a step, and a, a, a step closer, a step deeper here. We're, we, we've been reasoning from the mass down to the person. And this is where rubber meets the road. This is where life change really happens. This is where transformation happens. When I am confident enough in my God, when I am confident enough in his love for me, that I'm willing to just throw my heart open to him and say, God, search it. Look through it. Help me to see the fearful areas of my life. And Lord, if there's anything that offends me, anything that bothers you, and, and, and there might be a knowing. Somebody, you know, you might sense this come up. You know, you've got an issue with pride. You've got to deal with that. Others, you're trying to keep up with everybody else and materialism and all that stuff. Others, you just need to be quiet. You don't listen to people. You know, what? who knows? There are a lot of things that God would just say on the inside of us. And, and our tendency many times is that, again, it's easier to see on the outside than it is in here. Our, our tendency is to judge other people by their actions. We judge ourselves by our intentions. We intend to live better, do better. We intend to do right. We intend to do those things. But this is a place in prayer where we're saying to God, God, show me. God, open my heart. God, help me to see. Help me to understand. And, and, and here's the honest place in prayer. 
I would venture to guess that for some of you, God will show you those things and you'll say, you know, I really don't want to change that. I think it was a year or two ago we were teaching some things about prayer and, and I remember talking to a person, Shelly and I were meeting with this person and, and this person said, I really don't want to do that. I know God wants me to, but I really don't want to do that. I just, I just don't really want to do that. She goes, how do I pray about that? And I said, well, perhaps this is the prayer that you should pray. Lord, you know my heart. And Lord, you know I really don't want to do that. Lord, help me to want to. And sometimes that's the prayer. Lord, I, I, I like what's happening in my life. I like where I am in my life. And I don't really want to do that. I really don't want to surrender. But Lord, help me want to. I want to want to, even though I don't want to. <laughs> I don't know if any of you can ever relate to that or not. But I think that God loves that kind of a prayerful person who would approach him honestly, who would open up their heart and say, God, have at it. I, I, I'm not trying to hide anything from you, Lord. And I want you to look and see. And, and, and if there's things that are in my life that are producing fear in my life that are stopping me from serving you and giving you my all, then let me know what that is. And Lord, if there's anything that offends you in my life, if there's sin in my life, I want you to, I, I want you to help me to, 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 to get over it, to get beyond it. And, and, and trust me, at this point, man, you need God's love and you need God's grace. And that's one of the reasons that God asks you to do these things. And then number four, he says, he says I want you to, uh, uh, after he says, search my heart, then he says, you know, Try my anxious thoughts, know my anxious thoughts. And then he says, is there something uh, uh, offensive? And then he says, number four, go ahead and put number four on the screen for me if you would. <clears throat> number four, lead me along the path of everlasting life. Lord, lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know, there's a way that's right. Amen? There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a way that leads to life. There's a way that leads to to. to to, to his blessing and to life and joy. And so when he says this, lead me along the path of everlasting life, he's talking about a choice that we have. We can do our own thing or we can do the right thing. We can do our thing or we can do God's thing. And it's a choice that we have. And really the, the bottom line is, I will follow you. It's in the Lord, I don't really want to, but I want to. It's, it's in the, uh, you know, the things that I, I, I'm afraid to let go of these things. Or fear is a part of my life. And, and because fear is a part of my life, I, I just, man, I'm afraid of what might happen. And so therefore, I'm afraid to, to let go. And then he says, but Lord, lead me in the path of everlasting life. Lead me in the way, Lord, that you know is best for me and will produce life in me. What this really is, is a, it's a point of surrender. It's a point of surrendering my heart. It's a point of surrendering my life. It is a point of surrendering myself to you, God, to go the way that you want me to go. And when we pray this prayer, when we pray this kind of prayer to the Lord, <clears throat> a couple of things begin to happen. Some of the things that happen are that God's love and God's life and God's power become so real to you. Barriers will be broken down. Freedom will come into your life in a way that it's never come into your life before. It's this honest place that we find with God. It's this honest place that we go to him in prayer and he begins to reveal his love and himself to us in powerful ways. In the book of Hebrews, we're given a scripture, given a principle and, and uh, Hebrews 4.15 says this, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. 
You know, we've thought and think that we've got to be so tough, we've got to be so strong, we've got to be so this, we've got to be so that. But the point simply is this. God knows us. He knows what, Jesus knows what it's like. This faithful high priest is talking about Jesus, and Jesus knows what it's like to have a flesh and blood body. He knows what it's like to live on planet earth. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be despised. He knows what it's like to be persecuted. He knows what it's like to be beaten. He knows what it is like, which is why he said this, that we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched or sympathized with our weaknesses, but was in all points, in all points. Everybody say all points. In all points tempted as we are yet without sin. And then he says this, let us therefore Because Jesus knows what it's like. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of what? Grace. Not the throne of judgment. Not the throne of being berated. Not the throne of fear. But the throne of grace. Grace is God's willingness to extend his power on our behalf. Grace is this wonderful thing. It doesn't condone, but it just never gives up. Grace is this wonderful thing that is always extending itself to you. Grace is this wonderful thing that is always being presented to you. But here's the hard thing about grace. The moment you think that you qualify for it, you don't get it. The only way that you can ever get grace is when you surrender to God and say, God, I can't do this on my own. God, I am not good enough on my own. God, I am not strong enough. And it's at that moment that then you become a recipient of the grace of God. And I think that sometimes in Christianity, we've gotten it backwards. We think that if I do these things, then I can have God's grace. But God's grace is something you don't work for, you don't earn, and you don't deserve. And so again, he said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. I've used this illustration many times, but it bears repeating. When is it that we feel the least amount of boldness? Let me, let me just turn around. All of, all of you guys can identify with this one. You husbands can identify with this one. If you've ever done something that displeases your wife, maybe she told you to pick something up at the store or who knows. It's endless. <laughs> and similarly, the women towards the men. I mean, we just, we just, you know, we just, we fall short of each other's expectations, don't we? Do you, how many of you ever, have ever said, I'm sorry? If you've ever said, I'm sorry to somebody, that points out that we all fall short of people's expectations because we've had to follow it up with an I'm sorry. And so if you've ever displeased your spouse, you know that that's not the time then to go ask for a favor. That's not the time to expect a great big blessing after you've forgotten or you've done something that you shouldn't have done. And and that's when we are the least bold to approach a person's presence is when we know that we have failed them and fallen short of them. And yet this scripture tells us, this scripture tells us that we should come boldly, come boldly to the throne of grace so we can find help in our time of trouble. I think one of the biggest reasons that people are afraid to go to the presence of God and turn to him for help is because the devil is reminding them of their past, of their failings, of the places they've fallen short. And those thoughts come to us that God won't do this because you've done that, or God won't do this because you're not this. So I want to encourage you this morning as we close this service today, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and to close your eyes.
And I want you to pray this prayer one more time. Father, search my heart. Know my heart. Lord, reveal the anxious places of my life. Father, if there's anything offensive in me, show me those things. And Father, I, I want to walk in the path of life. Help me, Father God. Just take a moment this morning and, 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 and just be quiet before the Lord. Just invite him in. Just invite him in to your life. Father, I throw my heart open to you this morning. I ask you, Father God, to try the reins of my life, my direction, my course. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Father. First John 1 John 1.9 tells us that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's as simple as that. You don't have to flog yourself. don't have to beat yourself. You don't have to, don't have to crawl on glass. You simply have to say, Father, I trust you. And I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And he will. He promises that he would do that. And so this morning, this morning, Father, we thank you. And, and, and every one of us with our heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you've never made him your Savior, you've never been born again, that's the first step. That's the first step is accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That opens up the door to a relationship with him. And so if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior and you would like to, would you please hold your hand up real high and say, Pastor, would you pray for me this morning? Anyone at all who would say, Pastor, please pray for me. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. Anyone at all? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just hold your hand up real high just for a second. Anyone at all? Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for this congregation of men and women. I thank you, Father God, for your work in their life. And Lord, I pray that as each one of us shuts ourselves in with you, that you, Heavenly Father, would reveal yourself to us. And Father, I thank you that as you show us your greatness, that we will know God. And you said that those who know their God would be strong and do exploits. And Father, I thank you that you will help us to do that. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, amen.